Have you seen? Oh, you probably haven't seen it yet because you're probably all kind of in other stuff. But have you seen Darren Doan's conversation with Doug Wilson? No. Did it just go up? It just came out. It went up like this morning at five something. And he's talking to him about like all of the controversies and everything that's went on. Yeah. Moscow and kind of all the things that people want to like kill him for and mad at him for. And bro, it's about a minute and 50 seconds in. I had to pause it. And then I picked it back up and another almost two minute goes by. I remember the time marks because I remember when I stopped it and it's like a minute and three minutes and 48, 41 seconds. And I stopped it again because I had to meditate on the scandal that the gospel was. (laughs) Yeah. And I wasn't ready. So, So that he, that's just where he starts out. He starts out just talking about Sittler's case and situation just starts out right there, just opens up and it's just, got it. Okay. I mean, it wasn't even like, Oh, Hey, get ready. Let's talk about a situation that's insane. No, it was just like, so you married a convicted pedophile. (laughs) Wow. Hey, way to warm up. Yeah. (laughs) Like what? Oh man. Hey, Darren. Just do not pass go. Don't collect two hundred dollars. Yeah. Just go for it. And I was sitting here and I was thinking. And I know whoever hears this, um, they just have to go. I think the name of his new podcast is "All My Friends Are Heretics." Okay. Oh, so it's a and new podcast. I it's, it's yeah, it's a whole new podcast. And and he's basically saying, according to everybody else's standards in the world, you know, the friends and people I hang out with too, everybody else considers these guys heretics. Got it. Okay. And I remember when I was first working with Darren, he was like, hey, you know, I want to hang around the heretics. And I'm coming from traditional reformed evangelicalism, traditional like, reformed Baptist heretics evangelicalism. Are, heretics are bad. You know that? Right? Like, you don't hang out. Like, heretics, you get rid he's, of. He's talking like the heretics of the modern, of the moment, the, the, you know, the, the, which is what Luther was in his day and Calvin really? was in his day. Yeah, I mean, he he wasn't. It wasn't like they just said, "Oh, thank you so much." Right? They tried to murder him. But, uh, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, but it just got me to thinking. I I don't have room. I have sanitized things far more than I probably should have. I don't have room in my theological framework for the scandal of the gospel, and I don't think as we meditate and think about the gospel, everybody loves proclaiming it until it's time to really meet rubber meets the road. Yeah. And then you got to deal with the scandal of the gospel and, 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 and God does something really amazing is he takes and shows you somebody else while showing you your, yourself. <laughs> right. And it's like, Hey, I got a mirror for you. Look at this person that you really don't want god to forgive (laughs) (laughs) there's a mirror hey david there's this guy who has one sheep there's this other guy who has a bunch of sheep but this guy with a bunch of sheep he went and took this sheep that was very dear to this one guy david's furious (laughs) oh right i'll get him lord I got the sword. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'll I'll get him, Lord. Where is he at? Let me at him. 
it's you. It's like it's you. You are the man. <laughs> and you read that, and be like, "Ooh, God got him. God got him." You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't realize it's the same God that loves you enough to come after you. Yeah, totally. Let's, it's amazing. There was. There's nothing like counseling people to, you know, find find out how much you need the gospel. You know. <laughs> I just, it just, I don't know, man. It just messed me up. When I realized how scant, it was so scandalous because I had my stones and I was ready to go and, you know, we got this. And just looking at God, it's it's not just enough that he saves us. Right. It's not enough that, it really isn't. Because, you know, for, you know, forgiving somebody and just letting them go, people can do that. Right. People, people can do that. Like people, people sometimes would be like, okay, like a, a traffic cop. He can just act like he doesn't see, right? Yeah. He can just like, okay, I'll I'll let you go. But God stands there with us because we're right because we're righteous now. And he takes all the hits and he treats us like friends. Yeah. And comes to our rescue and publicly claims this piece of shit. <laughs> right, that's exactly it. <laughs> you know, and- and I'm sitting here saying to myself, I, it took, it, it takes a case like that to shake me up, to make me say, forget this dude over here. How do you, how do you consider me a friend? Well, and one of the things that, I mean, that, that is crazy is the word friend, the older meaning of the word friend is official advisor to the authority right so when you and so it's even bigger than just saying like hey great i'm gonna i'm gonna take you on and like hey keep you around even though you're annoying and it's like i'm gonna take you on and you're gonna be my friend which means you're an official advisor now to the king of the universe right <laughs> that's the kind of so it's like tell me what you think i should do right that that kind of relationship now here goes some angels he, <laughs> judge them yeah go ahead and judge them like he's he move and then and so he pushes us into these positions um by bringing us into the family and then the spirit of god works on us works with us draws us near uh slowly over time changes us so that we begin to take on the family resemblance of the Trinity, you know, of the triune family and not, and it's, it has nothing to do with the fact that we, that's what we were on our way to do in the first place. I mean, when God grabbed me, I was an argumentative atheist trying to use my atheism to dislodge people from the faith and get girls to, hang out with me you know it's like and and god was like "Mm, you bing you know that and i was like of all of all the people like i look back i'm like there were plenty of much better people in my high school i there's i i'm the and i was the guy that he pulled out of it all it's there's no good explanation i mean the, the the arbitrary means by god's will alone Right. That's the it's it's arbitrary in that sense. It's not arbitrary in the sense that there's no plan or 
but it's just God's will. And then John Owen, he, um, in uh, his book on communion with God, he talks about how, and, and then for Christians, the biggest sin is then to refuse to believe that God loves us. <laughs> yeah like yep. we because because it, it, it's we turn back in on ourselves and look at ourselves and say but i am not particularly lovable um and uh, but that's not what it depends on right it's the it depends upon this overflowing love that god has that is it's flows out of his nature as god who is love and it flows down onto us, and then we are the beneficiaries. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack. I just haven't, I haven't let that go. I listened to it last night. He's there's three hours. He's only dropped an hour. Okay. And, and um, I just haven't finished wrestling with. I mean, it, it almost it breaks me down every time. Every time I think about it, I mean, I really, every time I think about the gospel, and I can see it. I'm grateful for it in my own life. But then when God shows me a picture of myself through somebody else who I'm willing, it's just like that story. Like, okay, you've been forgiven. You owed a great amount, a great debt. And then someone that owes you, you can't forgive. You know, right? you, you, you can't. You, and, and Totally. And, and so and it's just, it's really hitting me just how good the gospel is and how much of a scandal that I've tried it, not tried to promote it. Like it's like, try not to understand just how much of a scandal it is or refuse to see the scandal that it is because a scandal, if somebody steals from an honest man, it's different if somebody has stolen from the very God that gave you the image that you have and has made the universe and has breathed his spirit into you. Right? Like that's, 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 that's beyond scandalous, you know? And I'm at the, the realities of that sometimes they hit different when we have to apply it to somebody who we think is worse than us. Um, right. And who we think, who we think, right. Um, and on the, on the scale that we have decided is a scale that we would rather use than the one that God uses. Yeah, man. So, and, and, and here's yeah. what drives me. This is, this is what sort of drives me nuts is the reform folks of everyone should get this right like this should be right up our alley we believe in total depravity we believe in i have a friend who we were doing door-to-door evangelism and and somebody asked him about well you know what about babies and and he said the only reason that babies don't come out giving you the finger is is a lack of manual dexterity (laughs) i was and i was like dang that's really good and um it that that it's not it's not like we went wrong at some point right like we went wrong at the very beginning in the garden and we have continued to go wrong we continue adding to it and god's love and his grace continues over coming the darkness right and it's not like there was a certain amount and he's slowly we keep trying to add to it and his grace still keeps outpacing and out outflanking and and outrunning the 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 darkness and the sin and then we look at somebody else askance and say but that dude was no way that dude is you know gonna <laughs> there was 
there's a, a, a friend of mine told me we're, about this. We're ridiculous. No, I, I, and I think that this is maybe what I'm getting at is like, you know, I don't know if we preach the scandal of the gospel as much as we should, like the scandal of it. Some We should be sitting in churches on Sunday and thinking like, uh, God can't save that person. Like that person, like you can't save him, right? Like, no, Lord, that's how we should feel. I mean, because if you understand the scandal of it, it's like, no, don't save that person, Jesus. You can't save him. You can save everybody else, but not that person. It's like that person's you. The, the, and the, when we preach, there's this guy, uh, my buddy, Rick Appleton, he used to say, he's like, people are fine preaching. Thou shall not steal. Everybody is like, yes, amen, preaching, don't steal. And there was this logging company that they would, um, there would be a, a river that they had all their log, you know, different logging companies up and down this river. And some logging companies at the top of the river would send their logs down and they would burn and imprint their um, logo of that this is their log that they chopped and you know so when it got down to the end of the river where everybody can grab their stuff they they would know which ones were theirs and so logging companies would print their their stamps on the logs that they cut down some logging companies as it was coming down would chop off the edge where that stamp was and then restamp it with their own stuff and all these people went to the same church so you know Preaching thou shalt not steal is like, everybody's like, yes, amen. We agree with you, preacher. Don't steal. Stealing is wrong. He's like, but when you start preaching, thou shalt not cut off thy neighbors into the log to make it thine own. Right. Everybody's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't, that's don't the way get it's the always gospel been into done. our business. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's how we do it. That's, like, that's, that's just hey, American. Hey, you opposed, opposed to tradition? That's, that's our... Right. That's- and so there, com- there, there, there comes a point where our, our preaching and our theology has to actually touch down in reality so that people can connect the two and be like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> yeah. you can preach one thing where it's like, or you can talk in a, a one way when one language about everything that's general. Hey, murder's wrong. Absolutely. Hey, you don't have an abortion. That's murder. Like you're killing another human being. You don't do that. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's different. Right, right. right. Um, you, well, you, what's <clears throat> one of the things so that was that's really interesting, you know, is reformed pastors have a temptation to preach about the gospel rather than preach the gospel, right? To To talk about what it is that God has done rather than say God has done this, right? Say we, we want to talk about the the controversies and I've seen, seen solid reformed pastors stand up and tell you all of the things that baptism doesn't do. Right. Here's six things that people have said baptism does that that it doesn't do. And then say, all right, now we're going to baptize this person. You're like, wait, wait, you just, you spend your time. You know, why don't you tell us what, just tell mm-hmm. us the gospel, right? Tell us what, um, or even what you think baptism does do. And and sometimes it's, they don't think it does anything. So, um, but that's a different thing altogether. But, but like standing up and, and telling me all of the errors that have been made about the gospel and telling me, People that say this is a false gospel, that's a, f- a false gospel, um, is not the same thing as preaching the good news. And I've talked to Reformed pastors that they that will say, they'll say, I can't just tell a person that God loves them because I don't know the whole story. 
right? I I don't know. Are they going to stay? Are they going to go? Or and 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 then when somebody walks away, you've been teaching them to doubt for years, and um, because you're not sure if the gospel applies to them, um, is it is a, a I think we've taken the gospel and we've we've replanted the facts of the case into a different metaphysic so in which God doesn't where the gospel is some sort of heavenly reality and it doesn't actually touch down for the people right in front of us or for ourselves often. I mean, it, maybe it does when we're first converted, but then we talk ourselves out of a continued dependence upon the gospel into Phariseeism or into um, you know, existential doubt, all sorts of things. Um, but, but, you know, I, I remember um, just talking to a, a group of older, older men that had all gotten saved during the Jesus people movement. Right. And they said, they, they were like, you know, it's, it's crazy. When you look back, a lot of the pastors, they were, they, they were barely holding on living in sin. They're all sorts of things, but they would come up to hippies groups of hippies uh, and they would say, you know, Jesus died so that your sins could be forgiven. And these hippies would break down and convert. Right? And it's like, they weren't preaching something they, they crazy, uh, high theology, anything, right? but, but they were just simply declaring straightforward. Jesus died on the cross for you people for for me oh right and they believe it and they get saved and you know 30 years later they're they're like yeah that the guy's theology was terrible i know that now his theology was whack but he preached the gospel and the gospel has the power to save right and a lot of reform pastors they get so intent on on um Protecting the gospel, <laughs> protecting the gospel that they forget yeah. to preach it, right? They forget yeah. to preach it. They think they're in a seminary class trying to protect the gospel um, when the gospel is our protection, right? Preach it and look out because you're about to start. I mean, you they say they want to flip tables. <laughs> well, Jason, that's what that's what that's what that's what's got me and that's what's got me thinking is like. Doug shouldn't be the only pastor in trouble for proclaiming such a strong gospel like this. Right. If with the kind right. of sinners that I know exist on planet earth, you mean to tell me that he gets the most flack for this particular situation in this case over against others. Right. There should be way more scandal going on to the world that we, there should be a whole new story set up new stories built just to talk about Christians believing the gospel. In this right. kind and, of way. Well, and, and we, I mean, we don't even like to tell stories of whacked, whacked out sinners getting saved anymore because I think we're afraid whacked out sinners will start showing up in our churches. Well, you know what? <laughs> I do, well, it's not just that. I, I think you're right, but I think we don't want people to know that we're whacked out sinners. So, you know, yeah. You, you did something a couple shows ago when we were talking, and I cringed. I cringed for you when you talked about that you got your high school girl pre girlfriend pregnant. I cringed. 
Because I was like, oh man, he's gonna. And and the reason I cringed is because in that moment, I'm thinking about, oh, you know, a person's character, protected, all this stuff. And I'm not thinking about, look what Jesus just did. Right? Right? Exactly. And I think that ability to to resituate our story into the story of the gospel is, we just don't do it anymore, right? We... We talk about like, man, I used to be really bad, but you know, God saved me and now I'm not anymore. Right. And we don't want to give details though, because the shame is still holding on. The shame is still hanging around. I mean, here's what it, here's what it took for me to learn to deal with the shame. Yeah. Right. It is for it to be all exposed publicly, (laughs) which is the, right. and then you're like, okay, either Jesus takes the shame or not, right? I'm screwed, right? I got the I got the big letter A on me now, um, and if and it feels like the rest of my life, right? You, you um, I I uh, spent a number of years um, as one of the pastors at a pregnancy resource center, um, and I did the uh, the funerals, right? When women would finally come to the conviction that their baby dead because of their abortion um i would do funerals for these moms and sometimes their families you know um and you know every time you're like yeah this is i mean i hope that you you, you've got this (laughs) you're doing funeral for a dead baby and i've got one of those because of my sin right like you, you and so here you are do I believe the gospel or not? Right. God pushes it right up in, in front of your nose. Do you believe the gospel or not? I'm right? having a funeral for the baby that I killed. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's here, here you are. It's like my sin has, there, there is a, a child that is dead because of my sin as well. Right. And now here I'm doing funerals for right. God. And, and Either that's because God loves you and he wants you to know all the way deep down into the bottom of the soles of your, your shoes that he loves you and you are forgiven or God is mean and he's pushing your sin in your face so that you never live it down. Right. And, and like John Owen says, it's, it's a sin to think God doesn't love you. Right. Because he, He's told you he does. He sent his son to prove it. He he sends his spirit to raise Jesus from the dead to confirm the proof. Uh, he, he, over and over and over, he has said, I love you. I've taken away your sins. As far as the east is from the west, you're clean. You, there's no shame, no fear. You know, he, come on over here. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're part of the family. Mm. Um, and there's there's no distance between you and me. There's uh, It's all gone. That's it. it and go ahead. Come, come, come and eat with me. Right, exactly. And then every week, come and eat with me again, oh. and re- let me reconfirm it. Let me reconfirm it. You know, um, reconfirm that your sin is gone. Re uh, renew your your co- my covenant love to you. Show you again. Right, over and over and over. God does this, and we look askance at, at someone and think, yeah, but not for them. <laughs> <laughs> right which, and which... i had i've had folks come to me that have you know that you know when, when 
uh, you know, a young lady gets pregnant in the church or, and I've had people con- confront me and say, I think you're too kind because of your own past. Like you have no idea about <laughs> Jesus. Like you'd have no idea about Jesus. Hey, you don't right. say. <laughs> like, and it's like, that literally is why every time I see this young girl, I make sure to run over, give her a hug, take, take her around with me everywhere. I introduce her to people say, Hey, I love this young lady. She's a part of our church. Let me introduce you. She's fantastic. That's the right? scandal. She's, That's she's, the scandal. She's nine months, eight months pregnant, obviously out of wedlock. Cause she's so young and, and you're, and you're walking around showing her off because you love her and you're like because that's what jesus does right jesus draws us in and and you're like oh lord you have no idea how messed up i am and 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 he's like my son in whom i am well pleased right he's he's cavelling all over us in his in the the pleasure that he has in us as his children right that that's that's the the kind of thing that he says to us and about us and we mope you know this has to this has i think this really you know we i think i wasn't planning on talking about this you really got me curious though um i really there's two questions i want to ask i probably shouldn't <laughs> ask one of them is i want to know well then what is baptism i'm still there i'm still there well you said hey that's something for us for another time i'm like no or maybe it's not what is it um but the other thing is, I think more towards the, the direction of the conversation we wanted to have today, um, which I kind of don't know what we're going to have because I was going to ask you, what is it that Knox needs to know today? Um, <laughs> but I think it's somewhat in the line of what we've been talking about, especially last week. You don't know God then, right? If if you can, if you can look at situations and you're like, yeah, that person's done, or you know not them Lord, or you don't understand the the scandal of the gospel. You don't know God because one of the ways that he has introduced himself to us is as a father. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. Paul tells us that the reason that we're, or that, that we exist in families is because God is a father, right? The reason that we are fathers is because God is a father. And and I think maybe, you know, probably the thing we need to re reestablish is there's two things. I think we need to understand God as father, and then we need to redefine fatherhood. Yeah. Right? Because when we say father, that word for us has different kind of connotations to it, or we have different experiences that are more tangible experiences that we're not observing. And, some, and those tangible experiences don't let us observe the ultimate um, type of fatherhood, or we don't meditate on that. You know, the fact that we have breath, the fact that we're taken care of, the fact that we are exist in a planet with food and taste buds. And so sometimes those that the fatherhood of God, um, we, there's so many abundant blessings of them that we take them for granted. And the only thing that we see is a representative of that and say, well, that's fatherhood. And it's like, no, <laughs> you don't understand. You're living through a form of fatherhood that gives you existence that you're taking for granted. And that's fatherhood. Right. Right. And I, I mean, I, uh, there's there are all sorts of you know, metaphysical, sociological, psychological realities 
that are be, that sin twists up for mm-hmm. us, right? And then, uh, and that we will be, you know, that our life is spent untwisting. And then, uh, you know, in the resurrection, we see God face to face, or or when you know, uh, after death in the in heaven before the resurrection, we see God face to face, and we realize that it wasn't. We never got anywhere near untwisting right <laughs> as much as we thought we did mm-hmm. but even this is the beginning of the untwisting of fatherhood so uh, any of us had pictures of the gospel the good so we have fathers Paul, we have fathers that do what that that are not gurus of the good news right they're not they do, didn't okay. do a great job embodying the good news. Right? The, the, the reality of that, yeah. The reality of God's fatherhood. That were wrapped up in their own shame. That, you know, their, their, their mummies were fully cut out of their, the, their uh, grave wrappings. You know, the, their, their, they lived their lives in shame. They couldn't they they're they weren't able to resituate their own life story as a subplot within the gospel within the good right. news of Jesus's kingship within the good news of of Jesus's lordship and the within the good news of the fatherhood of God and our adoption into the family right? and so they couldn't turn around and be great fathers cuz they were so busy you know, they were so weighed down by their guilt and their shame and their fear. And, oh, but what we need to do is then become fathers that say, oh, so what I need to do is learn to lay down my guilt, my shame, my fear at the foot of the cross, get my eyes fixed on God, God, who is revealed perfectly in Jesus and get busy imitating right what has jesus done for me how can i do that for my family what has the father Mm. done for me how can i do that for my family how can i display that in a limited sort of way my my son was he goes through he he gets excited about something he's learned some origami and he's he's gotten really good at, at origami and he was making a crane right he made a bunch of cranes and he he said he was sitting here he was holding this little crane and he said you know dad if there weren't real cranes in the world this little image of a crane would be nothing but a series of random folds he said just like me and the image of god mm. <laughs> it's like dang dang like you just out theologians <laughs> so many right so he's just looking at this little image of a crane saying you know where, what what is, up a lot. where does this get its meaning oh is my break yeah up? you broke up a little what, right after dang what he said okay right after dang yeah. <laughs> where does this crane where does this image of a crane get its meaning yeah well because it reflects a real crane right, right. as a father where do i get my meaning right in so much as i reflect the father in heaven right that's where i'm told my father i'm the image of the father in heaven 
So how do I press into that, conform to that? Um, you know, and it, it has to do with laying down our guilt and our fear and our shame and trusting that it's forgiven. It's taken away. It doesn't define us anymore. Right. If we were, if we're wearing that backpack, we're, we're going to be uh, bent over and not able to stand up straight and be the kind of father that are, that, that reflects the father in heaven. Right? he, he lives a joyful, shame-free existence. Mm. And, uh, that, that's where it begins. Like Jesus died on the cross to take it that's all away, what... to take the sh- sin, shame, fear, you know, uh, guilt, all of it. You know, when we were talking last time about identity. One of the things that I think towards the end of our conversation, we really started saying, you know, um, it's kind of impossible to have this conversation without a Trinitarian perspective and worldview of the Godhead. Like you got to have the right. Godhead at the center point of this, because I was here's this is a line. I got to find it in here inside of a delighting in the Trinity that you you're making me read Um, along with like 300 (laughs) other books you have me reading. And I highlighted it because I thought it was so good because I thought it was um, it. I want to change what he says too, but um, he says, this is Michael Reeves. He says, the Trinity is the cockpit of all Christian thinking. And I thought that was, I thought, okay, that's, that's, that's not how we are currently acting. Uh, That's not our presupposition even in evangelism, but I want to change even what he says um, a little bit, because I said the Trinity is the cockpit of all right thinking, right? Like I want to change it and move it outside of just the kind uh, Christianity, of course, is the center of it. But I want to say you right. can't think rightly about anything in the world apart from understanding the Godhead and the, the Trinity. You just don't, you can't put these, you can't put man, women, and child together with the objective ontological reality with different economic realities. How does that marry? Yeah. Right? You can't um, employer, you know, how do you get three Ephesians apart from the Godhead? It talks about husband, wives, children, master, slave. Right. You know? He says, here's, here's the relationship, you know, the, the great mystery, the father, son, and the Holy spirit revealed to you in Christ. Yeah, and then and then he goes on to apply it, right? Families, yes. employer, uh, re- sin, s- relationships broken down That's by right. sin, right? Uh, he how do how does that how does it affect that? You've got Galatians, similar sort of series of arguments, um, you know, and he gets to the the he's he's moving towards the fruitfulness, right? The 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 whole time, how he's talking about how do you restore fruitfulness? begins by talking about the triune life revealed to us in Christ and then us being brought into it by the work of the spirit, right? The, the Jesus died on the cross to take away the barriers between us and eternal fellowship with God, which is what we are created for, right? We're made in his image. So that, which means we are the kind of creature that can have fellowship with God, right? That's the fundamental nature of being made in the image of God. We're the kind of creature that can have fellowship with God. Sin broke that out, broke us out of that fellowship um, before we had even fully entered into it. Right. And then um, the, the history is the story of God taking all of the obstacles out of the way between us 
and fellowship with him, restoring us to fellowship with him. Right. So Jesus, when it says Jesus brings a sword to chop up the family, um, it's because the family was getting in the way of fellowship with, with the triune family. Right. He needed to break it down because the, the fam, the family has the, by the time. So, you know, when Jesus is, is on the scene in, during his ministry, they said, oh, uh, he said, I didn't come Pete to bring peace, but to bring a sword. Right? And he's in the middle of talking about um, the we have Abraham as our right. father. Right. So oh. it, and he says, oh, the family, you, you, the family needs to get up here on this altar. Right. It needs to be chopped up. It needs to be sacrificed because right now you've turned it into an idol and it's between you and God. And God is intent on fellowship. So anything that we take and make an idol that, and we put it between us and, and him, God's like, I know what to do with that. Right. And we, he, he cuts it up. We, and you know, we destroy mm. things by making them into idols because it's, we're putting an image between us and God and rather, and God says, no, you're going to have direct fellowship with me. You're my so he's like, so, so he's going through and he's like, if you would believe, if we had known Abraham, you would know who I am. Right. So right. he's like, because Abraham, right? Yeah, because Abraham, Abraham had fellowship. So he's me. taking their God. Abraham had faith. In he's me. taking their God and saying, "Ew." <laughs> like, right? Yeah. He's, yeah. But but by the time you get to Paul, right after the resurrection, Paul is like, "Okay, now that the family has been destroyed, let's rebuild it. Right? Let's put it back together mm. in the way it's intended to be. Right? Once we come into fellowship with God, things." things are given back things that were destroyed as idols are given back to us as gifts right in the in their proper sphere i, I want to say too that that you know as i'm thinking about this that really fought if you i keep saying this i keep saying it, i don't know if if i'm i need to say it in other ways that people can get it but you really have to spend so much time in genesis in the creation because what you just said is following a creation flow where god makes something and then he breaks it he cuts it, right? He splits it, <laughs> right? And then he fills it and he makes it better than it was before. And so you have this thing going on where like, oh, we have Abraham. This is all good. It's like, and he cuts it, right? And then right. you have coming up here yeah. with Paul. He's like, now let me put it back together, right? And then he feels, let me make it how how it actually should be. Let me make it better than it even was before. You love Abraham, you're going to love this, right? Yeah. Because now it's right. all the orders are applied properly in relationship uh, what 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 do you what did you call it last time? under the super identity, right? Right. Abraham ain't your right. identity. Re- rearranged. Well, that's the thing. Part is, of and it. Th- this is pa- parents and and some of these things you'd go through whether they're sin or not, right? Parents raise right. kids. It's wonderful having kids, raising them up, but then they get up and they go away, right? We had we had the whole we had my oldest back from college over the weekend and just delightful wonderful time and you know big long dinner everybody's laughing having fun i'm like man i miss this because my oldest has gone away but which is what she's supposed to do right there's a separation there's a cutting between us and her as she becomes an adult um and w- with the goal that she then gets married and starts her own family and then you end up with a whole new new glory or grandkids but if you can't let go of the glory that you've got and let it die. You don't get the new glory that, <laughs> that, that is the greater glory, right? There's a, there's a resurrection glory that God, God built into the way the s- historical world develops. 
that if you hold on to the, hold on to the glory you've got in the moment, you and you don't it doesn't die. You lose. You don't ever get to the resurrection glory, and then the glory that you have ends up being destroyed anyways because it's not like it's not going to die. Well, you've got the thirty-year-old son that you keep home and keep him in the basement so that he never leaves. You, you end up with a shame on your on your um, your parenting rather than the glory that you have to have that you can only get to through the death of separation. I don't like and that's just the way <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, just, it's the way God built the world. It's just it is a, it's a series of deaths and resurrections. Yeah, I figure that out when you ask for wisdom. Yeah, that's what happened. So you you sent me this long, um, not tweet stream, but a long message, and it's it. I I here's so here's what's crazy. I got your message, and I got it. I don't remember when I got it. When I actually looked at it, what time did you send this? It was ten thirty five a.m. I got this message. So I'm in the flow of things. I can't remember even where I was, and I don't even know what you was talking about. I got some reciprocity, <laughs> reciprocal violence in our seeing false fellowship or share scapegoating. I don't, what are you, what, what was this about? And what does it have to do with what we're talking about right now and today? Cause this is right. all like, so, so you were like, Hey, let's talk about, let's talk about the Trinity. Cause you're reading, reading uh, the lighting in the Trinity. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's talk about the Trinity. And so I started thinking like, what, what, why is the, why what difference does it make to our day-to-day lives that god is triune right what what is the where is it that you see the big differences because there's a lot of philosophical things that are solved and you know the problem of the one and the many and right um you know that there's there's things at the legal and political level that work themselves right. out but like in my day-to-day life why does why does it make a difference that god is triune and um and so was just thinking about how well it it actually does affect directly our relationships day in and day out all of the time because we are all living in relationships with other sinners right we're sinners living in relationships with sinners and relationships, relationships are um, reciprocal, right? They're, relationships are a series of reciprocal interactions. Um, that, that's what makes up a relationship. I say something, you say something back, I, and then I respond, and then you respond to what I said, right? It's a conversation. And you meet sometimes people that can't, they, they can't do reciprocal right they 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 don't know how and so you say something and then they talk about whatever they want to talk about and then you respond and they keep talking about right they don't respond to you um and uh when it gets really really bad you know you're dealing with a narcissist where everything they don't actually believe there is a world outside of themselves right but the more that we serve the lord the 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 more we come to understand um we think about ourselves less and others more. And there's this growing ability to live reciprocally, right. In response to one another. And that's what a relationship is. The problem is if relationships are reciprocal, what do you do with sin? Right. Throughout history, you've got, um, you've got the Hatfields and the McCoys 
um, as proof that there's no way out when you live in simple reciprocity when sin gets Cain and Abel, right? I, you Cain and Abel, right? I, I step on your toe. You kick me in the shin. I hit you in the face with a brick. You kill me. My brother kills you. Your cousins kill my brother. And then we have a war, right? This is you. The, that's a reciprocal relationship. Once sin gets involved. Um, but can I, but can I add to that's that? That's not too? a, which I just yeah. want to add to that to what we're seeing and seeing now, if you haven't thought of it, is like the way this is going culturally is you've enslaved me. Now I'm going to enslave you. Right. That's where we're going. And all we're going, the way we're going right. right now is like white people, unless they bow or be at certain place, they're going to be the new slave. And anybody who is on right. this other side of this new religion and doctrine, they are going to be the new slaves. We're going to be the new masters. Like that's, well, we're where we're going. That's where we're headed. Right. And there's people now that are willing to say it out loud. Right. right? They're willing to say like, well, look, they enslaved us. It's our turn to enslave yeah. them. Yeah. Right. They they treated us in an in unhuman way. It's our turn to treat them in an unhuman way. That's how yeah. it works. Right. And the reality is that is how it works. Yeah. Right. That's but that's the problem that the problem is that is how it works. That's why. Uh, the lives of nations throughout history are filled with war. That's why the tribes um, eventually eat one another, right? If, if when you've got enough uh, tribal tr distance and time, uh, eventually the tribes dehumanize each other so much that they end up trying to devour one another. Yeah. Um, and, but, but Paul says, if you bite and devour one another, be careful lest you be consumed by one another. Mm. Right? He, he says that's a that is a real temptation to uh, w once you get into these cycles of reciprocity uh, to dehumanize the other so much that you no longer that, that you just are using one another, devouring one another. So, um, and so as I've thought about it, there's a like there's really three options. Once you get into sin gets into your recipro the reciprocity of your relationship, right? You can um, return evil for evil. Mm -hmm. Somebody sinned against you. You sin back usually yeah. harder to, to get back at them. And right. And, um, and it becomes the relationship becomes violent, either emotionally, spiritually, physically violent. Right there. So you move towards violence. The other is, you just move away from one another, right? You, you stop being, you stop the relationship because it's going to move towards violence. And what's interesting is, so it, you see this sometimes in marriages, uh, you, you see a marriage where they just fight more and more and more and more. Right. But you also see marriages where they, the, they just become less and less connected, less and less in mm. fellowship, less and less reciprocal. Um, because and and they sort of back off and you've got the the man cave and the uh the the um woman's area right you can the, say kitchen wherever you can the say kitchen <laughs> right you've got the they just separate and they just the fellowship just goes away um and and there's no longer the deep abiding fellowship that you always hoped for right right and in those situations, you get kind of a, um, you, you get you people sort of go invisible, right? And and because they they're built 
for fellowship. They're built to, to see one another in each other's eyes, right? They don't get to see each other directly. They can only see themselves in each other's eyes as they move apart from one another. They, they sort of become invisible. They can't see themselves anymore. They, they, uh, and, uh, sometimes you get like a, you know, I call it grandma got a new tattoo syndrome where they start doing things to prove they still exist. Right. Um, and I've seen uh, I think a lot of plastic surgery. Yeah. You, you see, uh, so you've got plastic surgery as people get older. Um, sometimes the, or often, I think at, when they're older, this is what's going on is they're just trying to prove they still exist. Get somebody to look at them so they can see themselves like, that see that they're real well, again, right? Because they're kind of becoming ghosts, ghosts in their own well, lives. I've seen this too and these are more subtle things that people don't like to talk about you start hitting this stuff people get acting crazy but i've seen it come out in a lot of ways very simply in christendom because we know we can't do the whole we're careful about too much tattoo there's a there is a group but they're yeah. about too much tattoos. but what we'll do is we'll do like it will be um something that's almost borderline rebellious like i'm gonna get almost a complete buzz cut right or right. i'm gonna dye my hair grain or you know or right. or I've, I've seen it too with you know with guys they'll, they'll do it in other ways where it's like um you're not wearing that for your wife to look at you <laughs> right yeah guys that get you know really into um the the uh way they look or or that i mean they sometimes they just take on a hobby that's right, right? and then they want to they want to you know, and it's a way of proving that I still exist when when my wife no longer sees me anymore. Because because when we move too close together, we fight, right? There's because there's sin. The relationship is broken, and the sin is there. And if we move towards one another, we fight. We can't. We don't want to get divorced because we know that's wrong. And so you end up living uh, separate lives. <laughs> Um, but then to, together, yeah, separate lives under the same roof. So that that's one option. But then the third option is that you come up with you find you find somebody to hate together. Fellowship, right? I, I've seen only work during political um, seasons, right? When you've got because they both really hate the new Democratic nominee, right? <laughs> like. The one thing they agree on is that Hillary Clinton is the devil incarnate. And so their marriage functions so long as Hillary's running. Right. Um, and you see in the, the town that I lived was a lot of bumper stickers. Um, when I first moved there, I hate George Bush and I vote. It's like a really popular bumper sticker. And you're like, man, when we get, and, and at the time I thought, man, when we end up with a Democrat violence is going to break out because the, what's holding them together is a common hatred. Mm. So uh, um, we had uh, multiple people went down with crowbars and broke windows of businesses Right. No reason. No, nothing. It's just, just the, the, the no longer had a scapegoat just broke out. Mm. Uh, mm. 
you, you had uh, regular occurrences of violence until Trump was elected. And then the violence all stopped again because they all went back to, I hate Trump and I vote. Right. So they, they had a common right. scapegoat that kept the illusion of fellowship going. Right. And so you see marriages that are like this, right. They, they get into hating something together um, or the wife gets into really hating something. And so the husband jumps on board because it's something that they can not fight about. Right. Um, it, it, she's at least she's not mad at me. Well, and I'll just help her get mad at that thing. Right. Um, so the, and, but all of those are false fellowships. None of those are real. It's all fake, fake fellowship. Um, and I mean, you see, you see marriages where they, the only time they feel close to one another is when they fight. And so they fight more. And, you think that's not real fellowship though. It's like, mm. I guess it's better than divorce, but it's not real fellowship. Right. So, um, but this is where the, the triune God steps in and makes such a difference, right? Relationships are reciprocal relationships that to, he doesn't say, I'm just quit being, reciprocal altogether instead he adds him he injects himself into the story or he sends his son and um his son uh jumps into that role of scapegoat for the whole world and becomes the scapegoat um but normally what happens is the scapegoat is somebody that hates you back and that therefore, because the scapegoat hates me back, we can gather around that hatred and have a fit. Right? But this scapegoat jump out mechanism, this this um, you know, wood chipper of a, a relational wood chipper that we have created in order to have a false fellowship, and he he jumped the machine, and he is beaten he is he takes all of spit on he's insulted right he is and he's then crucified and he dies um and so and then he said and then he says now look at me as the scapegoat right look my direction i'm the scapegoat and then from that position where because the spirit comes and revives him he then as as that scapegoat turns around and loves from that position right so whereas before you added the third person into the relationship as the scapegoat in order to fuel the hatred that that um creates the ability to ha continue having a reciprocal relationship a false Jesus, unity a false yeah. unity right jesus then loves right and and and, he, and then he brings us up into that true relationship that is an eternal relationship of loving kindness, an eternal relationship of joyful reciprocated love and says, now you as my people are a part of this relationship, this reciprocal relationship. And then, and then he goes so far as to say, and when you sin against one another, instead of responding in kind, returning evil for evil, he says, look at the way I have loved you and respond to my love by loving the person who's in front of you, who's made in 
my image. So return my love through the image of your neighbor, right? So in a marriage, how this ends up working is Jesus becomes the scapegoat, but instead of a false unity, his love is then poured into this relationship, right? That this reciprocal relationship that's broken because of sin. And he says, treat it, don't look at one another and respond in kind. Look at me and respond to my love. I've loved you first. Now you love me back. Respond to my love by loving the person in front of you, by forgiving their sins, by being kind to them, even when they're, uh, when they sin against you. Right. It, so he, he restores the relationship, but not from a distance. He restores the relationship by joining it right by joining it and adding when 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 if you've seen Jesus you've seen the father right he Jesus is the complete full perfect revelation of god so if we want to know what god is like how he acts we look at Jesus right Jesus is where we look and Jesus dies for our sins forgives us of our sins and then stays with us right i now go out into all the world, baptizing the nations, teaching them all that I have done, uh, all that I've taught you. And I will be with you even to the end of the age. Right? So he forgives our sins. He, uh, takes them away as far as the East is from the West. He promises to never treat us according to our sins again. And then he stays with us the whole time, right? That's what God is like. And that, and, um, and then he says, now imitate me, right? Go forth and imitate me. You be like that. And I'll be with you the whole time because you can't do it in your own strength, but keep looking at me in every relationship. Look at the way I've treated you and then treat the person in front of you in response to my love. Right? So he, he pulls us out of this one V one reciprocal relationship. Um, and he even pulls us out of the one, one plus one plus scapegoat relationship uh of a false unity of hatred by inserting himself into all of it and he can do that because he is eternally in a reciprocal relationship he's not doing anything new he hasn't it's not he's eternally been been in a reciprocal relationship of loving kindness uh, of of joyful fellowship uh, of of self-giving love right? he's that's the way he always has been and then we are just taken by the spirit up into that relationship with him. So that's what all of that meant. I, I was still trying to work it out when I was texting you. So I, <laughs> is this, how I was, it, I, this was, I was having these realizations this week or last is this, week. Is this when you, when we talked last time you were saying, Hey, I think I figured out the answer to our kind of how we deal with identity. Is this is what you were talking about? Yeah, this is a major part of it is that we that that um, because Jesus, as he inserts himself, he doesn't he Jesus doesn't take us up out of and give us a whole new kind of thing. Right. A, new, a whole new kind of way of having a relationship that's no longer this reciprocal relationship or he inserts himself into the things that he's told us to do that we messed up and his presence restores those things back to us right we mm. we end that so um you know this week i was listening to uh um uh, 
John Denver's greatest hits and then clicked straight over from that to uh to uh, Tupac's greatest hits because <laughs> <laughs> why not the Arl whiplash right now it's getting to be the afternoon and I was like oh man I need some Dre beats because I got I got I it's like pouring coffee in your ears you know <laughs> um and uh California Love comes on so the, the last song on um on uh, the John Denver album was Wild Montana Skies one of my favorites boy about a boy that grew up in Montana and then uh tried to move away but ended up coming back because montana uh had given him a home and given him you know and so montana was just the defining thing right and then california love comes on and tupac says the exact same thing about compton exact right. same thing that john denver is saying about montana and i was like this is the exact they're both talking about how the place that they grew up gave them an identity right gave them told them who they were and formed them right they were formed by the the community that they grew up in and they're both celebrating it and i think both of them are doing exactly what we're supposed to do man i love the place i grew up it formed me in these ways in these ways and i'm so grateful for that now it also brought with it certain temptations and things um but that that's why Jesus died on the cross, right? We, is is to cleanse. The, his blood has a cleansing effect on our history, on the pl- systems that we that God mm. used to form us. Christ has a cleansing effect, so that we can turn around and say, right? We we can make the distinctions. What are the good things? What are the bad things? What are the blessings? You know, um, uh, like the the lauren hill song that we uh have talked about before right um every ghetto every city uh, yeah every she every place i've been yeah every place i've been she she tells the story of all of the blessings that she got as she moved around and it's a it's a beautiful this a beautiful thing and as christians because we the sin in different places right we end up pretending our story is different than it is to our kids and so our kids don't know how to say thank you for their own so the 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 thing that and when i was growing up i was so much worse (laughs) yeah that when it comes to you know when talking with identity we're you know i've heard a lot of people talk i was just talking to jason whitlock and um I I feel like you know, and I'm, I want to keep in mind everything you just got done saying about how Christ enters into the reciprocal relationship, and ultimately doesn't stop the reciprocation, but then puts the right things in there to reciprocate and say reciprocate like the Father and I have been reciprocating throughout eternity for all eternity. Yeah, exactly for all eternity. And he and then says, and here's the Spirit. So that you can do that, right? right. Um, and so reciprocate this back and forth to each other, right? right? Just like me and the father are doing. So, you know, and so here's part of what's interesting to me is I'm watching the Christians who should be the ones proclaiming this message and modeling it out 
on the political stage in front of everybody. Because right now this, the culture is trying to figure out how to do that one way or the other. And what they do is create more tribalism. So in order right. to reciprocate, you have to be in my tribe. Like in order to reciprocate, you have to identify exactly like me, right? In order to reciprocate, um, even though your identity might not be like mine, this is another option, is that we have to hate the same things, right? So yes. then that is, that's, what, that's how we now have this reciprocation because we hate the same things. But when it comes to Christians, the identifying marker for us is, is baptism. And then there's, there's one that's, there's two, I guess I want to make clear up. One of them is humanity. You're human. <laughs> right. And the, and the other one is baptism. There's a different kind of, there's an in and then there's another in, right? Like there's a restoration for the, uh, uh, there's your original state that's fallen. And here's your state now in reciprocation in, in lock with the system, how it's supposed to go. When it when it, when I've seen um, Christians, I would have never thought that the social justice movement or the racial animosity or the um, the same cultural push would have as much or even more effect between Christians, right? And so, what is it? Where's the breakdown happening that? Those because it's not like people and I want to be very true about this. It's not like people who are disagreeing on this topic have a theological difference on the on the I, the, the the flow and function of the Trinity. They, if you see them on paper, they look the exact same. But somewhere in the reciprocation, there's a disconnect between how the relationship then flows and functions when you have animosities between brothers. Yeah. So I don't even want to talk about what happens outside of baptism because. In one sense, like Paul's, like, not my show, not my monkeys. In one way, right? Like, right. Yeah. We'll yeah. get there in a yeah. second. But if my household can't come together, like, and model this, what's the point in trying to figure out what's going on out there? <laughs> right. Right. Because, like, because there's a there's those those moments, you know, where you're standing in front of the firing squad, and you know that the relationship between you and the guy pointing a gun at you also involves Jesus. And he doesn't he doesn't right and so you can right. look at him and you say father forgive him he doesn't know what mm. he's doing right and those for some for some reason those seem to be easier for us right now than looking at somebody who is in the same denomination as us uh, oftentimes right and two brute and you look at each other and you're like there's just no way we could possibly ever get along right like we um that and you both know that Jesus is a part of your relationship with one another, right? Right. and somehow you can't. But I think it's because, uh, you know, the 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 markers of a tribe have to do with cultural ex- the way you express yourself, the way you physically, you know, identify yourself. Um, tribal markers in the in the ancient world generally had to do with tattoos and clothing. Right, tattoos, clothing, and then you know s- speech to a certain extent. But you'd have three, four tribes that all spoke the exact same language, but they knew they which tribe you were in based on your tattoos and your dress and um, and and things like that. And um, and what I think what we have done is that we have embraced those t- Christian tribal identities 
as over against everything else, right? And so we're always trying to protect which tribe within the church we're in um, because that is, we've, we've sort of taken that on as an identity marker rather than as what it is, which is a cultural a, a cultural marker. It, there shouldn't be any problem. Um, you know, let's say my, we, I, I go to a church where everybody wears suits on a Sunday morning and this other person goes to a church where everyone wears polos and I show up in my suit. There should never be a problem. Like everybody should. No, like, Jason, no, I, I don't think that's fair. Hold on a second. I'm going to push back on this because I think, uh, and, and feel free to throw the book at me. Okay. Um, here's, here's what I'm hearing in my head, being around evangelicalism, as long as I have and different frames of it, what I'm hearing is that our tribal markers are more pure than the others. And so if you want to get to the authentic, there is a tribe that has the closest position to the authentic. So if a baby has not made a profession of faith and you are baptizing them, or you guys at your church don't speak in tongues, and we do. We got the spirit. Y'all don't. You are further away from the authentic. If you are not waiting for professions, you are further away from the authentic. If you don't baptize your kids, you are further away from the authentic. And so it, it, these tribes are not just existing because of some arbitrary um, realities. In Christendom, our tribes exist because we are searching for the purest form of authenticity inside of Christendom to be as close to the Godhead or obedient to the Godhead as possible. So I don't think that those are arbitrary amongst us in evangelicalism. I don't think we think they're arbitrary. I agree. I think a lot of them are more arbitrary than we like to admit. But well, some of them we here, some of them we do say are arbitrary. Like we're saying, hey, those some of those, like for instance, Baptist, it shouldn't separate us. But boy, but it does. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. absolutely does. Those are yeah, right. yeah. And um, but and this is so I've I've seen a lot of of Baptists, you know, kids that grew up Baptists, pop through Presbyterianism on their way to Roman Catholicism. Okay, right, and um. So it it's become one of those things that when I, if I see it starting to happen, I just am, I'm pretty straightforward now. Like, Hey, are you on your way to becoming a Roman Catholic? <laughs> well, they wouldn't even know. They Often wouldn't they know don't. that they are. They don't, but this is, it, but it's exactly what you're talking about though. That usually leads people to Roman Catholicism. Um, they grew up a Baptist and they think the reason that I am good Right. The reason that I am justified is because I am a part of the right corporate group. I'm a part of the right tribal group, part of the right people. I'm a Baptist. Right. I'm a. I don't think they would say it like Baptist. that. I'm, I don't think, right. No, no, they wouldn't say it like that. They yeah, wouldn't yeah, say yeah. it like that. Right. Because yeah, yeah. that's not the that's not how Baptists talk now, because I've seen it with Presbyterians, too. Right. The reason I'm good is because I'm in the OPC. I'm in the PCA. I'm in the best of the corporate, my corporate identity is wrapped up in which group I'm a part of. And my corporate identity is justified, 
right? My, I get my I get my personal justification for my corporate identity, right? Now, then they say they learn something new. They learn about Presbyterianism and they say, oh man, I didn't know about this. I didn't know about that. I need to join that group because my my justification, my personal justification is is in danger because I'm in the wrong group. And so they jump over to a new group and they say, now I have got it, right? Or Presbyterian that grows up and they're like, I should be a Baptist. They are much more um, intentional. They're more intense about their faith, right? They're the, they're the recon Marines of, of the Christendom. <laughs> yet I need to. And so they, they jump from one group to the next thinking that they have, improved their relationship with jesus and they say and roman catholics are the worst right they're the farthest away and then they meet gk chesterton and they say but he knows jesus and he knows jesus in a way that's really enlightening to me and i um i thought i was a part of the right group but he's a part of a different group i wonder if i should join that group because that group maybe is going to get me closer to jesus Right. And they think switching, switching tribes, switching people groups within the uh, corporate groups within Christendom is moving them closer to Jesus. Um, it, when the reality is, right, why is G.K. Chesterton wise? I think he is. Well, it's because he knows Jesus, right? He, he knows the king of all wisdom, the source of all wisdom. And he is, has a, a growing relationship with him and so that's the thing that we should take away not oh my gosh should i become roman catholic oh my gosh he's introducing a new aspect of jesus to me that i didn't know wonderful i can be more like jesus now from where i'm at right i don't need to switch groups to become more like jesus because our individual uh our individual justification is by faith not by group membership Right now, Baptists say that out loud, but I've then seen their children act like it's because they're Baptist, right? And but the the evidence of it is that you you feel like you need to switch groups to keep growing in the faith, right? You need to switch groups. Now you might be you might your theology might change, and you think, okay, for the peace and purity of the church as a whole it's better for me to go to this church rather than that church, right? When we first moved to Spokane, my uncle's a reformed charismatic pastor. And um, I'm Baptist, sorry, did you say reformed yeah, charismatic? Reformed charismatic. Yeah. And so we, me like and him. my family started going to the church. He's wonderful. He's a wonderful pastor. And he, he, and uh, we started going to, to church there. And, and after a few weeks, so my, and my kids were like, this is weird. This is not how we've always done church. And after a few weeks, um, actually a few months, my uncle sat me down and he said, you know, we love, love having you guys here. It's really great, but I know you're a Presbyterian and we support, we, you know, we, we financially support this Presbyterian church plant and we think you should go check it out. Right. We, we think you're going to be more comfortable there and you'd be a big blessing to them. Um, and you know, they're a Baptist charismatic church who is helping a Presbyterian church plant pay the bills in order to get off the ground. Um, and so we went over there and my kids immediately said, Oh, this liturgy feels like home. Cause it's the same liturgy they'd grown up with. It was smaller. 
they they liked that and then they connected well with the pastor they none of the kids left during the sermon um right so they weren't the only ones that were just like wait as my daughter said how old do you have to be before you get to start going to real church here dad (laughs) and that wasn't about the charismatic church that was one of the other churches we visited it was a great church but my daughter immediately was like why are all the kids leaving don't they think that they should be in church real real church so it's different cultural expectations um but the the uh so there might be a time that it's good to move churches for the peace and purity of the church within a city, but so that's you, why you should be making those decisions. So are you saying then, so um, that we've held up, I don't want to say personal preferences, but maybe true convictions higher on the relationship status board than we probably should have. So is that what you're saying? That, I mean, that's what I, that, I that's what I've seen a lot of folks do, because I think there is when, when I became so coming from a very charismatic background, my convictions about the biblical teaching couldn't let me stay there. I was underneath right. a woman pastor. There were no real elder men. So the foundation of what a church was, was absolutely bankrupt. Right. So I couldn't be there. Right. Um, regardless of whatever, I I know God saved me there. There's good doctrine. There was some good doctrine that was being taught there. Um, but the foundations of what a church and structure was, was absolutely obliterated. So I had to go find, you know, when I matured beyond where I was, I had to go find a place, but in that process of maturing, um, something kind of felt like I clicked inside of evangelicalism where it was like, Where's the purest form of Christianity at? Right. And that became a chase for me to find out, well, where is the purest form of Christianity at? Are you saying that's not something that we should be chasing? Or what do you, what do you, because I feel like there's a point of where it's like, I'm trying to find that because I, I believe that if I found the purest form of Christianity, then I would be a better Christian. Like that's right. what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the clearest, te- cl- like it's like finding the, you know, if you go and you're trying to make, oh, this is going to be horrible. If you're trying to make drugs, okay, <laughs> right. you don't want it cut six or seven times if you want to sell it. Not like I know. Just for the record. <laughs> right, but yeah. But right, you want the it, purest substance you, you can get to make the best stuff. But, and, but it depends on what you mean by purest, right? Because how, how are we justified? Right. Okay. So you're saying take the things that are essentials, the gospel justification. No, say, I mean, I'm I'm saying ha- what what is the thing that marks a church as pure? How they live before the Lord, right? So, in in the sense that what I mean by that, that is that's that's not what oh, marks us, though. No, 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 no. I right. no, I agree. Yeah. So justification in yeah. Christ, like that's the mark, like being right. justified. But what are we justified? But how do we how do we grip onto that justification? Yeah, right, by, right. By faith. faith. Yeah, right. Faith. faith. Faith is the mark. So then, of God's people, right? So then, what we're doing is taking and doing other stuff besides the mark to bring into form the purity of Christianity. Yeah. So we start saying, well, what's how? I I, I want to be right before the Lord, right? I want to be I I and I want to so be I holy. Need, I want to be holy. And so what I, what do I need? Well, I need the purest form of Christianity that I can find. And I think, well, no, you need faith, right? 
Jesus's death on the cross plus nothing. It's, it Amen. sounds so, it sounds like it sounds well because too, I, I, too simple, too scandalously good to be true. Right. Well, because now what you're saying though, is now this opens up. This is, this is really good because here, here's yeah. the deal. Because now you have to open the door wider than I think we want to open the door right. 100%. for who, what's pure now inside of Christendom. So if you are falling out in the spirit or speaking in tongues, you're as pure as me. If you got faith, right? Because that's our faith derives from nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ, right? Our purity is based on nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, Here's the thing that we don't believe. We don't believe that Jesus reforms and matures his people. So we start looking for the most reformed, the most pure, the the place with the the holiest group of people and right. Now, there are I'm I am not saying that there's not times that you got to switch churches you got to move churches and right no, 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 you're no, no, not no. Right, right, right 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 none of that none of that so but i'm saying that if we're we often do it for the wrong reason right we do it because we think we we we, we do it out of fear or out of guilt or out of shame we base our decision based on what we don't want rather than what we do want and we but, and, you know so J- jason jason <laughs> they didn't have an abortion ministry at the church Right. <laughs> so yeah. I had to go. Yet. Right. We we will walk away from institutions. Christians will walk away from institutions like it's hopeless that God will ever get a hold of this institution or that institution. He got a hold of you. Talk about hopeless. Right. You you are so much more a hopeless case. This is where we started, right? You're worse. I am so much more a hopeless case than the PCUSA. Right now, I ended up having to walk away from the PCUSA. Right, 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 right. Um, because there comes a point when you look around and you think, okay, the gospel is not being preached here anymore, and and I'm having kids, and you, I need a place where the gospel is being preached. Right, so it's an extreme case, but I got saved there. Right, I had a good experience. Right, I I was introduced to john calvin there i was taught the westminster confession there right this huge blessing and when i looked around and realized that most everybody had left that believed those things but there was one guy who stayed and and taught the baptism class year after year after year right (laughs) and and now you look around my city and there are 12 reformed churches and all of them, but two, the root goes back to this guy faithfully teaching a baptism class, right? The elders and the pastors of all these reformed churches all over the city. This, this guy was the one who, over the course of 30 years, basically so- tr- transformed the city from a PCUSA Sunday school and baptism class. I can't see people liking anything that you're saying right now. I know it's because it's so scandalous, right? <laughs> Jesus. 
serious. You know, right? this like, is. I want. I want. You know, this is. I want. Um. Like I, I moved away in 1999 from Spokane. Right. I came back 10 years later. There were no reformed churches when I left. Came back 10 years later to over 10. In one decade, there had and and every single one of them, you say where are the roots is one guy's Sunday school in a church that is slowly apostatizing. Right? That's it. That, that's the the it's but I so are you saying are you not saying for the stay in bad churches? Uh it depends. It depends on the situation, right? So I don't, I don't think so. Cause, cause there are bad churches and then there are bad churches, right? Well, okay. So, so, so let's, let's take, let's take, let's take, uh, here I am young man, um, preaching in the church, um, playing, I'm a musician in the church. I'm running revivals in a church. I'm not the pastor of the church. I was preaching right. every Sunday, every Sunday evening I was preaching, um, and I had opportunity to, at least I thought I did, but it really didn't, um, to help reform this church as I'm becoming reformed. Yeah. Um, the church has a woman pastor, no elders. Um, and everything, every time God looked like he was blessing some of the work that we were doing, because it would grow, she would come in and say, oh, look at this nice little crowd of people. I'll take that. And then it would just, you know, kind of fall yeah. apart. Yep. And, and, and again, was a Christian, but she's a woman pastor. Right. Um, well, did, did you have, were there opportunities to talk about the fact that the Bible teaches that women shouldn't be pastors? Um, privately, but not in any sort of public way. And it would have been treasonous to do so. Yeah. So that was what dislodged me from the PCUSA was confronting two things, women in the ministry and, um, and, it, and confronting is actually such a hard word to even attach to it because all I did was say, Hey, so I was reading through the Bible and it says this here. Right, 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 right. I'm just trying to figure out how to look at what we do and, look at the Bible and, and put these I, two I, I don't, I don't see how they fit together. Can you help me? And the, the pastor pulled out the book of church order and says, this is how we interpret the Bible here. Oh, okay. I was like, Oh, we're Roman Catholics then. Right. Like, Got it. And, and he did not like, like he, so I was, he did not, the, the pushback didn't go well. Right. There was um, no way to reconcile right, that. There was no way to reconcile it. The pushback didn't go well. And the, and at the same time, I had already I was already in an argument with him about Freemasonry Sunday. Um, so <laughs> and I was like, I, I didn't I don't know. You know, I, so Freemasonry Sunday happens and I and I'm like, this is weird. What's Freemasonry? And so I'm talking to my mom after church and she's like, I don't know. But I know my your grandma always told me no good Lutheran girl is in the Freemasons. Right. Or Job's daughters was the, the Freemasonry for women. So she's like, I don't know what it is, but I know it's not Christian because your grandma and your grandpa w were you know, they they knew, and that and that was it's that generation that really was a part of it. And so my grandma and grandpa's faithfulness to training up my mom about Freemasonry ended up basically causing me to say, Oh, okay, I'm going to look into it. And I look into it, and I'm like, Oh, this is a weird cult. 
<laughs> you know, yeah, right, right, right. And the, and then go to the go to the pastor and say, "Hey, Freemasonry Sunday, what's with that? That I, I'm really concerned because I just started looking into Freemasons, and it doesn't seem like a good thing to be attaching ourselves to." And, yeah, and he and he said, "Well." you know, some of our biggest tithers are Freemasons. So I don't rock the boat. And I was like, and I, and I, what I said to him was, that's a joke that we tell. That's not a real thing. <laughs> we don't, we, that's not how we make decisions. Right. And he's, and he just said, you know, when you get older, you'll, you'll understand. figure it out. Yeah. I've I, heard that. And, and so, um, and so between those two things confronting, I, I, I was a youth pastor at the time, lost my, lost my job as a youth pastor. So, so uh, so then you're like, okay, I, I believe that God can reform the PCUSA. And so to immediately run away without saying, hey, but right, but the good news, right? Like Jesus, right? Without first saying that um, would be to go against what I still to this day believe is true. I believe God will win back the mainline denominations. I believe the gospel Amen. is powerful enough to revive not just people but whole institutions right um, so, so uh but so there's a, so at that point i left and i was like and now i go into exodus in the wilderness but i was the youth pastor of first presbyterian church in moscow idaho so i go into the wilderness and meet doug Wilson. <laughs> he <laughs> like, he's like in the he's in moscow and i was and i thought that there was no one left and there's a thousand people reformed Presbyterians meeting like a half a block from my house or at least like six blocks from my house. So it was really funny because I didn't know any of it existed, but I didn't know it was there. So there's times in certain situations you need to just address the situation for what it is when you're in the moment and you need to have some wisdom in doing so. So there's yeah. guidelines and, and principles for it. There's guidelines, principles, but it's also from your jurisdiction, right? If you're an elder yes. in a church and you come to particular conclusions, you have a jurisdiction and a, and a duty from that position. If you're, if you're just a, just a guy, just a, just a girl, just you know, come in and sit in the pews, you've got a particular jurisdiction and that is your job to protect. And so, um, you know, when you're having, if if you've got kids, part of your duty is to make sure that they're hearing the preaching of the word. And so if you if you can legitimately say the word is not preached here anymore, right? We have a circus instead of a sermon. And, you know, um, it's, it's just your, a, your jurisdiction involves your kids and you've got to get them to a place where they're going to hear the, the word preached. And Right. OK, so but there's there's certain distinctives that we want to take and raise higher than that we should. Right. Yeah, to the point that we're like going for the purity of the thing again. We're looking for, you know, because I found that it, just keeping it inside of the semi-reform reform circles, our move has been based on this form of purity of doctrine. Yeah, and how we we have our rating system on people, right? Boom, 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 boom. Uh, purity of yeah. and, and 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 so so here here's here's a good example. My my uh, the preacher last week at my church preaching on uh the man amongst the tombs right great which we just spent some time talking about and but he he's talking about how it's a horror situation right you amongst the tombs it's in the fog you've got this man screaming so loud that it's scaring everybody he's tearing apart 
the chains and he's cutting himself and and he comes running up and he bows before Jesus and he and he says, "Now who is more dangerous to whom mm. in this situation?" Mm. Right? The the demons know. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the dangerous one in the situation, right? When we have the spirit within us, who's more dangerous to whom? Mm. Right. He who is in you is more powerful than he who is in the world. Right. So, so, but we don't, we don't, we often don't act like that's true. And we, the, the man amongst the tombs um, comes running up and we say, "Uh Oh, better, better run away. Um, you know, or the, so, so you know, Jesus went into all sorts of, of synagogues to preach and think what happens, right? Demons start talking to him from within the people in these pews. Now, are those healthy synagogues that he's going into that are filled with possessed people? <laughs> those are not healthy synagogues. Do, you don't have a bunch of possessed people in your synagogue if you're preaching the word faithfully and consistently right but jesus goes in and he picks up the scroll and he begins to preach and demons start talking to him from within the he he's wandering around israel and it's 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 mostly jews that are possessed by demons so it's not a um and he's he's much more dangerous to the darkness the gospel is much more dangerous to the darkness than the darkness is ever dangerous to us i'm gonna steal that so here's what i want to get at though i want to get at the fact that our the identities and markers that we're making in christendom are so arbitrary at the end of the day right, right. And so, so the reason that we're having our, our problems with identity as it relates to the culture is because of some of our arbitrary tribal identities we have inside of christendom that we can't we haven't you know, I know I'm I'm hearing people say, yeah, but you know, you have conferences and you got Sproul there that's here and you got these guys here and they're all fellowshipping together. But it part of it sounds like one of your three where it's like there's a fellowship there without having the con the 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 convictions yeah. as prevalent. I remember the one there's one debate and everybody talks about it. There's one baptism debate with John MacArthur and RC Sproul, and that's like everybody's favorite. And now we have a debate. I think uh, James White's coming out here to have a debate with Doug, I think on the twenty second of next month, is it? Oh, about baptism? Pay- it's on pedo communion. Oh, pedo communion. Interesting. Right. But but so they're having a debate on it. They can seem to have this debate on it. But what I'm talking about is the fact that if you say in evangelicalism, especially reform, that you're for pedo communion, you're almost a heretic because the way that they understand the table and the way that you understand the table sets you guys almost at complete odds at what the table is. And since the table is so important and we must fence it. They have to fence it now from you, <laughs> right? They're right. fencing it from you and not just you, but now you and your kids. And so, you know, um, it, it create, there's this, there's things that seems like we have to work through and work out as it relates to our different tribes inside of evangelicalism that, it's, God is almost using now for I've watched people come closer together where some of that stuff doesn't even matter hardly at all, but where I think some people are understanding why and, and seeing the side, like, Oh, I see why you do that. Okay. I still haven't come to that conviction yet, but Jason, I'm telling you, like people at churches would absolutely have a fit. If my children came to their church and somehow they took communion, right? 
I know people who are at churches who are Christians. They're Presbyterians. But because they haven't been baptized in the mold that this church believes is the right way, they can't even take communion. Right. And that's when it's become a tribal marker rather than a than a Yeah, but they would they marker. was but they would say, no, man, this is a even this is a biblical conviction marker. Not just a tribal marker. This is a biblical conviction now, marker on what baptism I, is and then what happens. You know, and if you haven't been properly baptized, how do you get the table? So when we're talking about identity, man, it's funny that this is really the com- man, it's funny. The the Trinity and the table to me are the primary markers for identity. Right. And we haven't worked out with brothers how to have this, you know, we talk about social justice, we can talk about all these other transgenderism, we can talk about all these other forms of identity and markers that people have out there. But if we're having problems at the table with each other, we have some home cleaning to do. Yeah, yeah. Where we we and and w- there's a couple of things, right? One of the marks of heresy is that the, it divides God's people, right? Her- that's one of the central meanings of the word heresy is division, right? It's it's something that divides God's people, um, and so I do think that there is a fundamental heresy that has infected the American church and the evidence of it is the divisions, right? So, um, so working backwards from the fact that we're divided, there must be a fundamental heresy somewhere underneath there right now. What it is, is oh my God, what are you about to say? <laughs> what it is, is something that we should talk about and try and figure out together. <laughs> Heretic. <laughs> Burn them, tired, feather them, and then burn them again. Uh, I mean, I, I think, I, I honestly think that Gnosticism is that underlying heresy, right? Um, I, I think that that we've got this underlying heresy that, and that's the reason we're separated out from one another, right? And, um, and you can see it in the way the beginning of the Bible is dealt with the you, know, you can see it in the way that the creation narrative is dealt with that that somehow the history it's not important that it's history right it's just it's not important you can see now in the way people are dealing with the uh the, that they don't know what to do about identi- about somebody that claims a different identity than their biological identity a, a different gender than their biological identity and and christians say i don't I don't know how to answer that. Right. Well, I mean, they're acting like they do, though. I mean, they're coming. I was like, "Well, that God made you a man, so well, act like a man." So I think. A woman. I think they're starting to now. When it first started, it was crickets, right? When for, they because they didn't know the answer. God, but God is pressing on our Gnosticism from the outside, right? So you, I think God is saying, "Hey, guys, wake up! Look at." look at this and he's pressing on our Gnosticism from the outside and he's doing the thing where he's carving some of the people um, that we thought were uh, of us away from us. Cause they're leaving us cause they were never uh, from us. Right. I'm sorry. So, I, I translated that David French. Is that what you said? <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, I, <laughs> I actually, I'm not, 
I've, I've heard of David French, but I'm not familiar. I, I know, I know you don't know who that is. Is yeah. why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I think that you're starting to see people that you thought, wait, I thought they were on our side. This has the when the Gnosticism shows up so obviously, right? I now know that I am a woman, and they say you should probably be swimming with the women. Then, like, you, what? you don't get to change your identity because of that. Like, that's not how nature works. And they're like, well, is it though? And you've got a bunch of Christians that are like, yeah, is it though? I mean, isn't that, isn't that Christianity? They go, no, no, that's Gnosticism. And now we know that you are not, that you have never been of us because you went out from us. Right. So God is putting pressure on the Gnosticism um, in order to reveal it. I hope, I mean, I, th- I think, I mean, I think he's in the, the restoration of the American church mode. I, I think we're going to look back and say, you know, in 500 years, look back and say, oh, and then the reformation started. Right. And we're in the, we're in the beginnings of it. Um, and I think it's going to depend upon the technological communication revolution, just like the printing press. I think you, you've, uh, it's going to be international, just like the reformation. I think we're in the beginning of a new reformation. Um, so, so, um, Jason, I don't, you know, we started doing this talk because I'm dealing with all these topics right now in what I do on a daily basis, weekly basis, going to other shows, talking about it, just in the culture itself. We talk about um, critical theory as we talk about Marxism, as we talk about, you know, social justice. It is wokeness, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, wokeness is penetrated deep into evangelicalism. Um, and, you know, I always see this stuff on the surface and I'm like, this ain't the real problem. Like when you said, when we talk about heresies and I'm looking at this stuff and as a theonomist, I look at this, I'm like, these are easy things for me to fix on the surface. Right. On the surface. Like, on the surface of all this, I got all the answers. Like, I mean, seriously, if you have, uh, if you have been saturated in, in Song of Solomon, in Proverbs, in Deuteronomy, in Leviticus, in Genesis, you got this. Like, right. Seriously, that's that's not that hard. Like if we don't just we just need somebody to make some rules, some laws, and to judge situations, that's good. When we talk about what's underneath this, the more that I've dug into this with you, I keep feeling like what's underneath it is it's way more local to the church and doctrinal. Yeah. And and the main things not being the main things and uh, I don't, I'm not trying to cover up anything, but I just feel like if I said it before, there is a, every time we talk, it always comes back to the Trinity and the table, the Trinity and the table. And as I look at the table and the fellowship that we don't have as Christian brothers that we should have in the table, because we are, and I'm not trying to, I know that we all have convictions about how we right. look at the table and I don't want to get rid of those convictions, but then those convictions excommunicado in a lot of ways, brothers from the table. And there's some people do need to be excommunicated because they're not right. Right. But then we don't know where those lines or margins are. And then some, are we making up arbitrarily? We haven't, do we need a new council on how to deal with this? Because I think if we don't get that right, as it relates to unity, then what we end up getting on what look, unity looks like 
is like what just happened inside of conservatism recently where you have uh, David Rubin and his longtime uh, uh, sodomite partner adopting two babies. And then a form of conservatism comes behind it and says that is supposed to be influenced by Christianity, right? That's supposed right. to be the religion of conservatism. It says, congratulations, you guys. Oh, wow, too. And I saw PragerU, which is a huge proponent of conservatism. And I saw The Blaze. You know? And then I'm seeing this praise of this. And I'm saying, and then evangelicals, some of them stood up and was like, wait a second. Right. But they have no problem having a certain form of unity with conservatism that they don't have. There's a table there, too. Right. There's a right, table there, right. too. Right. And so but we don't see it like that. But but then they have almost more camaraderie in some ways and willing to join hands with people in a certain way, but that they're not willing to have other brothers who they're closer with at the table. Right. And so I feel like that. The, and I haven't, this, you know, this is me just talking to you and people just getting to hear a conversation I'm having with you as I'm thinking out loud. You know, it, it's, I don't want to let go of those convictions. And at the same time, I don't want to hold them to the point where they excommunicate people who have actually been justified. Right. But I th and this is where it comes down to who's your scapegoat. Right. Because who's the scapegoat of the conservatives? What's the left it's the leftists it's the communists it's you know, whoever that and somebody to hate right That's, somebody to hate together and we because the church has not in general done a good job of gathering around us jesus because we love him and being in true fellowship because of love because remember one of the marks of the church they will know you by your love Right, it's half or we, another, yeah. We and we have not done a good job of believing that conviction and um, and preaching the gospel in such a way that that conviction becomes truth and reality of of the experience of people. They can't tell the difference between going to church and we are right because we're not Roman Catholics and we are right because we're not leftists. Um at the political rally. It's the same kind of fellowship so often that it feels Christian. Right. It, because it's the same kind of fellowship that I have at the church. Cause we have the right. same scape. Cause we all share the same scapegoat in politics. That's what you're saying. Yeah. We, we share the same scapegoat in politics that we hate the same thing. We hate the same thing. We, I mean, how I, it's easier to stand up and preach against somebody else's theology than to declare the gospel because you'll get a, you'll get a quicker um, community mm. around, uh, around that than you will. Uh, it, it, and you'll get a more respectable community, right? You, but, you get a, a, a really unrespectable community if you just preach the gospel. But but to be well, no, that's right. That's what I've seen happen a lot with Doug, which is what the scandal of it, mm -hmm. right? But but I think too, what people think that they're doing is preserving the message that's been given when they are pointing and preaching against other folks who are enemies of the gospel. So they'll right. see they'll see charismatics who are falling out in spirit. I mean, you know, um, and people who are inside. They would you know 
and there is some crazy messed up people mm-hmm. out there on the up. I mean, absolutely. And then there's some who just haven't been discipled well. Right. And um, th- there's a tendency to lump all those people in together, which is not fair. I don't think at all, but th- there is a, a, a puring, purifying effect that they are trying to do in preserving the gospel. And so that's why they preach against. Yeah. So, um, the way that I've come to think about it is there's a way to preach against, and then there's a way to preach with a foil, right? A foil is uh, something that is not true that helps you see the truth, right? It's a literary device, um, the it, F-O-I-L, foil. You, and you can use something, say, well, here's, here's the falsehood, um, you know, and... It, it and what it does is you use the falsehood to show the truth, to clarify, to make it clearer what the truth is. There's a way to do that that is really useful. Um, and there are people that see people do that. And then they say, look what was so powerful about that. He preached against this. He preached against that. Right. And they never get around to preaching the good news. They preach against the bad news instead of in favor of the good news or against false gospels instead of preaching the gospel. And there are, there are preachers that, that use false gospels really effectively as foils. Uh, it's a skill. Um, it's a, it's an art and there, but there are a lot of preachers that never get around to preaching the good news. They just preach against the false gospels all the time. And a lot of times they're the ones that are loudest declaring anyone who preaches any other gospel, let him be damned, let him be forsaken. And whether an angel in heaven, whether, you know, you're like, okay, that's true. I believe that you haven't yet preached the gospel to me. <laughs> What's the gospel? Not believing in the false gospels. Is that the good news? Um, There's something. Yeah, I know. My face is looking some type of way right now. Yeah, because you know, I guess part you, of this, you, fi- you finally got me out of my shell. I'm I'm actually communicating my frustrations now. Is that what's going on? That's what's going on. Yeah, I, there is there's um I guess some of this has been so long of what I've experienced what I've experienced evangelicalism as that you know, this is probably what's gotten me since I man, just to be straight up. Since I moved to Moscow, the last nine years has been a different kind of Christianity that I've ever experienced before. And it's the kind of Christianity that I've seen that is building something. It's building people. I'm watching a community, you know, develop on a local level uh, in ways that I haven't really seen have impact on national level. Um, I'm watching that spread to other places and people doing it too. You know, I'm just watching. And one, I think one of my friends says, I'm seeing the kingdom of God actively engaged in the world right here and now. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing it happening in little pockets, you know, I'm watching, you know, and it's been interesting to see something being built, built with um, a large form of ecumenism that usually isn't tolerated inside of evangelicalism. Right. And, and seeing that 
is what I'm saying. We have to have, if we're going to, to win, you know, people can come together for war, but coming together for war to beat the social justice movement isn't what's going to beat it. Right. No. You have, you <laughs> we have, have to, to be yeah. together in times of peace but to be you able ha- to do that. Yeah. We ha- that's what I mean by the table. Like the table mm-hmm. is we if if we can't come together around that to build the kingdom here, right? As as the kingdom is being at the the, the leaven in the loaf, right? It's rising. Um, it's almost like we keep like that table though. That's where we eat. That's where we come together at, and the separation there and at baptism. If we ha- and I'm not saying people have to be Presbyterian. I'm never saying that. Yeah, right. I'm not saying. When- I'm, I, I'm never saying that at all. What I'm trying to fight for is the unity beyond some of those um, distinctives that would normally try and separate us. And I don't say everybody's like, we got the gospel, we got the gospel. Yeah. But then we will let people who have the gospel won't be able to come to the table. Right. But so here's the thing. Here's so I mean, since, since you've you've cracked open the the jar and it's leaking anyway. I'll just spill it all over. So there's a lot of folks that have tried to take the, the, this external moment at what's, what is happening in Moscow and try to pick up the externals and drop them into their situation and recreate them. And they don't realize that before Doug got there, his dad was preaching the gospel there for a generation. Facts. Right. That's true. And then they don't take what is at the heart of everything that Doug does. I remember he, him preaching through the book of Deuteronomy when I was brand new, first brand new baby. So this is 20 years ago. We're there and him preaching about God's love. Saying God has already done everything that's needed to be done because he sent his son Jesus. And now he's trying to feed you. Why do you keep your mouth shut? Mm. God has grace and mercy overflowing mm. for you. Right? He's, it's just so Doug preaches the overwhelming, overflowing mercy, love, and grace of God. Right? I, I remember him standing up there once, repeating "grace, grace, grace." It's all grace, 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 grace. It's all grace. And one of you is going to come up to me afterwards and say. But is it by something else? The answer will be no. It's crazy, crazy, right? It's up there, and 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 he's, and uh, so then you pick up his books on marriage, and you read them in the context of his preaching of the overwhelming, overflowing love and grace of God revealed to us in Christ Jesus, accomplished for us on the cross, applied to us by the Spirit. Uh, the and, and you read his books about marriage in that context. And you're like, these are so wonderful. They're so full of grace. And people pick them up and they're like, I got the new rule book. You know, and then right. they go around wagging, wagging people with it. That's it's like right. the, at the heart of all of it is, is multiple generations of really strongly convicted gospel preaching. Um, you know, uh, and it, it's what it's. It's not something that you can if you if you try to pick up the externals and drop it someplace else, you're gonna get you're gonna get something monstrous. Right? You're gonna get uh because you're gonna get 
a a haunted building that because you're because you're not cleansing the the uh the the spirits you know you you end up with seven spirits worse than the first and i mean it's you're on you you're really hitting that i'm glad you said that because you know when you go back and listen if anybody who's done any of the research you jim wilson gospel preaching Dude, gospel preaching gift of evangelism uh ter, uh turning the world upside down everywhere his he book goes. on bitterness i didn't know i didn't know i yeah. had i didn't right. know yeah. i had bitterness life-changing Life until i read that book on bitterness changing. and all it was was just the gospel pointed direction of my bitterness right and i had but that's what i'm <laughs> yes yeah, his book the principles of war oh right but that's that's what that's what it brilliant, is right yeah. it's brilliant where it's just how do you preach the gospel here how do you preach the gospel there what does it look like to preach the gospel here right it's so good what do you do if they won't let the gospel in right and he's got a whole chapter on well you sit and pray so it's like sending in the the uh planes with bombs beforehand you just sit and you pray until finally they let you in. Like, oh, that's what it's like. Right? You know, I, I mean, life transforming, life transforming stuff. And he'd been doing it for a generation, and then Doug accidentally ends up a pastor. In do his you think, wake? Do you think that this has to be the because I guess it's all for me anyway? But this is a question. I do you think that it's just you know, when we were talking at the beginning of this and we we're talking about the whole situation and the gospel being scandalous, do you think it's just too simple and not, and, and uh, we've sanitized. So it's not dangerous enough because if, again, I, I want to, I don't want to put these things, two things at odds, but there is this kind of protection of the gospel that we want to have where it's very sanitized and clean and looks nice and all dresses up. And, and a suit and 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 so it doesn't ever but the gospel is a oil worker yeah we want right? <laughs> we we spend our time trying to shine up and protect the gospel when it's a it's our armor and, and here's right. what i have here's what it, i have in the back of my head though so then when you have stuff like this and you have these animosities that are there i'm trying to take and put this on i'm i'm put i'm seeing the conflict of our fellowship with each other as a Christians and the conflict with how we, how we then deal with Christianity in the world. And right now there isn't anything different per se, practically how we're doing those things. And I'm saying there should be, yeah, absolutely. there should be way more. And I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, but the fact that, that we're having such a hard time dealing with, animosities around the issue of race is a bigger problem than that's on surface. That's a surface issue. That's a surface issue. And when Paul goes to deal with this stuff, he deals with, you know, uh, I always tell people it's like, okay, so you got the, the, the Jewish women or you got the women in acts. I think it's Jewish Hellenistic women, right? Was it? Yeah. They're not able, they're not getting food. Nobody's being considerate of them. You know, it could be racial animosity things. Since they were Hellenistic, it was, obviously something that was going on because it's right. brought up, right? It's clear. And so you could have anybody thinking about them. You have people who have been born again, who are Christians and they're not thinking about their brothers or sisters. And, and then they, they bring this complaint then to the, uh, the, the prophets and the, or the, or the uh, apostles and like, the apostles are like, this ain't, this ain't it for us to get involved. Are you serious? This issue? Yeah. Uh-uh. It ain't for us to stop doing what we're doing. We're proclaiming the gospel to, to solve this problem. Go get some deacons. Right. 
holy men from among you who can put this whole situation to rest and care for everybody and bring you guys together in unity. And I, I keep wondering, okay, where's the deacons? <laughs> <laughs> right. Where, where's the, yeah. Come in and say, Hey man, we got this, we got this racial, racial animosity. Right. Going right. On. And we're like, drop everything. We're going to address this, this, we're going to, this will be the thing that we talk about for the next two years. We got our best right? guys and on you, it right now, Jason. You know what I mean? We got our best end, guys. <laughs> and it, and it ends up worse <laughs> than it began. Facts. Right. Like we, the, the racial animosity is worse now than it ever was right now. There's more racial tension than there ever was. And, and I do think it's because our gospel preachers walked away from gospel preaching in order to, to, um, fix the world's problems and and what i i the gospel puts things right i'm talking about the world's the problem the the problems the world says it has so that's not where we that's not how we decide what problems need fixing but then but then the other side of it is that have we've had people that have proclaimed the gospel and not applied it to the problem mm-hmm. Right. So then they got this gospel preaching going on, like we were talking about early. Don't steal. Don't steal. Don't steal. Don't steal. Right. Listen. Don't cut the end of the log off of your neighbor of the law coming down the chute. What? Yeah, Listen. Yeah. You go back to preaching. Thou shall not steal. So we've kind of had the <laughs> other way where where people is like, you know, everybody's worried about the law, but nobody's worried. about what's the standard? And then how do you apply that standard to where we're currently at? Is is, is gospel preaching? It like it is right because but. But there's a relationship between the gospel and the law that we have severed, right? We've we so we we want to say that that um the law comes and brings conviction, and then the gospel comes and brings relief. But we've forgotten that then the law comes and gives us content for our love. But we're not known as loving communities. Partly because we haven't let the law inform the content of our love, or the, we haven't let the law of God come in and tell us what does love look like, what does love mean, because we're afraid of the law. Right, we're afraid of the law, but perfect love is supposed to have cast out fear. So if we're preaching the gospel, we shouldn't be afraid of the law anymore. Our relationship with the law has shifted and changed. Our relationship with the law is renewed back to its original purpose. It's supposed to come in and give us the content of our love, but we're still afraid of the law, which means we're not preaching the gospel. There's something missing from our gospel presentation. I'll put it that way. Right? If, 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 if it doesn't end up casting out fear, if we still are afraid of the law, if we're still looking for ways that we're, and we're afraid that the law might be sneaking its way back in and then uh we're not preaching the full gospel so it, it's a gospel preaching problem that we've got we live in churches void of the gospel um oh. that's a horrible way to end a conversation <laughs> but that's the yeah, go listen to the Trin- Trinity part again. <laughs> you go. You just stop it halfway. I, I feel like you know, you know, the, 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 I got to run here, but the 
I'm not satisfied yet with maybe it's because the answer is simpler than I think, but you know, we were talking about this last time. The way that Calvin understood the table, the way we understand the table, um, there's this huge gap in what it is. I mean, I mean here's a great example, Jason. Um what does it profit a church now to excommunicate somebody? Because the strongest thing that they have is not excommunicating them from the church fellowship. That's not what excommunication right. is. It's being cut from the table. Right. But if churches only are having communion once a month, and there is no high value of what the table actually is, it's what would it be fair to say it's ontological reality. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's. I mean, what, I think would you, it's what would you call it? It's, it's metaphysical it's, reality. Um, uh, it's economic. I mean, it's economic function in our lives. Like we don't believe it does. There we go. Right, right. Yeah. The, the, the economic. That's a great word. Thank you. The economic function that it has in a, in our lives and in the culture, mm-hmm. right? If it doesn't, um, how would you say? It? If it's not actually a means of grace that does something then who cares that you get cut from it? Right. I'll just go to a different church now. Or, you know, there isn't any, I'm not missing it that much once a four times, you know, you know, 12 times a year. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what, what we have done is we have turned the, we have restructured the gospel or reinvented the gospel into a series of ideas that can go that 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 lodge into our heads, and so a person's cut off from the community, but they've still got the ideas in their heads, and they take them with them. Right, so there there's no longer a um, you know, the, so so now the the table is meaningless, right? And this is the thing that that um, when we talk about severing, you know, preaching the gospel in such a way that it no longer it no longer touches down or it's not even really the gospel. It's because we've separated it from history. We've separated it from the story. It doesn't make any difference in our lives. If it's something that lodges in our head, right? Whereas if you preach the gospel, it changes the world. It changes our relationship with creation. It changes our relationship with one Mm. another, right? It It changes our realities to it. it, Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so suddenly, uh, the table is gospel shaped, right? And mm. a, a well, a well, a, a well constructed liturgy is gospel shaped. Um, a a good hymn is gospel shaped, right? Uh, the all, all of these things become reinforcements of God's actions in history to rescue us from our sin and rescue us back into history, back into the story. So where we were kicked out of the garden before and we didn't have access to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we didn't have access to the tree of life. Right. Um, we, the, well, now suddenly we have access to the, the bread and the wine. Now right? we have access to uh, be fed by God. Right. We have, and, and Jesus says, and this is my body. Now he's, talking poetically, metaphorically, spiritually, all, all it doesn't ontologically shift. It's it, what it is. Um, but it, it is 
God feeding us, right? It is God drawing us to himself and giving us, uh, returning our access to eat food with him. That's what the tree of life was supposed to be, right? Food with God. Um, That's what everything in the garden was. It was food with God. All of a sudden, our food is not food with God anymore until he restores us to to the table right it, the, it's a family table we you know it's it's a reminder of our adoption of our place it's it's so many things that's the thing so, is we always so want to say you know yeah, here it is it's this one thing or that one thing but it's touching everything it's everything yeah so then i guess jason you know get everybody mad. I, I don't even know why <laughs> I let people ha- hear conversations that we're having because this is really just for me. It really is. But I keep saying that. I hope people understand. Like we're not trying to make a show. We're really just having a conversation. So Knox <laughs> right. can work through some right. things. So then the thing that I'm trying to work through is that we really, man, we have, a, we have some foundational things to, to get back right and understanding that. I think understanding the gospel and you know we were talking about a little bit this last week too or the last time we talked to understanding the gospel in the in um the same context as as what was going on with genesis what is what is the gospel the good news of and it's exactly what eve was hoping for and one of the things that she was trying to give birth to one of the people she was trying to give birth to is this right. it lord is this it right. right that that mary was the one who was able to say, it's here, right? Everything that was supposed to come to bring restoration back to mankind that he had with God in the garden, right? That's, that's what the gospel was, is doing, has done, has done, right? It is currently, and it's expanding it beyond, right? And so when we, when we talk and we, we communicate the gospel, I think we have, this um, gospel that has redemptive work disconnected from history in one way or another. Right. 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 Yeah. And that it somehow takes us out of history, removes us further from history, right. Rather than uh, this is, and this is one of the reasons that it is, it's dangerous in a certain sense to preach the gospel because when you, when people start getting saved, it's, it's messy, but not just messy because messy people start bringing stuff in, but brand new Christians bring a perspective in and they read the Bible and they look at it and they're like, Hey, you know, you dance around this passage a lot, but it's just really straightforward. And I really want to know what it means. And I really want to obey it. And all of a sudden the pastor is reconfronted with things that he has theologically categorized away. Right. Mm -hmm. As he's aspects of the bible um that this person now who's got the spirit inside them brings a new voice that's and uh, um and all of a sudden the, the spirit starts convicting from this new convert you know starts convicting places in the church and we've got a we're always always reforming and so it's dangerous for everyone to preach the gospel but it's dangerous in the right sort of way mm. We just made more problems. That's what I do. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know if you solved any of the questions I have in my head. <laughs> no, the reciprocity thing was really good though. Like retro, yeah, reciprocating because I think that that's I think that's really helpful to understand how that works. Because so then you can tell though when you're when you're trusting what what Christ has done in um his work to reconcile us back to the father and he's made himself the scapegoat and scapegoats, you know, we, for, maybe that's a concept that we don't spend enough time thinking about, but scapegoats are what you look at to say it's good between us now. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. Like some, something died like Genesis again, we'll go back to Genesis. Yep. Something died. So it's good between us now. Right. Yes. It's good, but it's not just that it's good, but now Christ comes in and says, and, and let me give you the spirit so that this now relationship goes back and forth between us now not the anger not the hate but love is the thing that's reciprocated between us and and so when we're you would think it seems so i felt like we could have ended the conversation hour and a half earlier if we would just said hey and this is what everybody does hey just look to jesus right that's really the answer right but then people don't know what that means though they don't know what that there's no what do you mean look to jesus and it's well he really died. He really bore your sins. And so the way that you're getting treated by that other person, you can say, mm, I know somebody who died for that. And so I'm going to look at that person through the scapegoat and treat them the way that Christ has treated me and give them that same type of love that I'm getting from, from Christ. Right. And they're like, right. It just doesn't, it just seems so easy. Right. It just seems so easy. But it absolutely messes with everything because so much of the world and the systems of the world are built on a, an expectation of, of reciprocation, right? If everything's built on it, you're messing with the foundation of society by returning love for evil. You're messing with, the foundation of culture by returning love for evil, right? You're, you're not messing. You're not just, it's not just a a momentary thing. Like you're, you're kicking at the, the rickety uh, things that the world is built on, that the world systems are built on, right? We, we want to reform the world systems, right? In the social, this, this is something that I think the social justice movement gets right. The world systems need to be reformed. They're messed up. They've been purposefully built on a modernist foundation now for 150 years. Facts. Right? Of course the world systems are messed up. But do we really think that a world system based on power that resulted in this needs just a different power? Like it needs a new system based on power, right? No, you want to mess with the foundations of the world systems and rebuild them? Return love for evil. And watch people. I mean, you're going to get you, you, you're going to get people that I mean, Jesus even says that some people are going to respond like they smell something great. And some people are going to respond like it's the smell of death. How right? sway? How? Because I feel like that. And I'll give you a scenario. I feel and this is me hearing other people communicate is like I can point to legitimate situations where I should be further along in life, but because of the sin of others over time, space and history to my forefathers and to my people, we are not where we should be. And we're suffering every day because of it. I want some justice. Right. And 
<laughs> this is this is it's real. I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? Because yeah, can you say thank you for white people's blessings? No, right? No, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? It's oh, because you, think- you wait, 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 you want me to be thankful that they're blessed and I'm not? Not that, not that you're not right, but that that's not how blessings function, right? So here's the other Im- centrally important thing, right? If God is not triune, then we're dealing with a a uh, a world in which you've got a limited amount of love and blessing. So that if one person gets it, then you're then they had to take it from someone else. But if you have an infinite God that is overflowing out of a triune community of eternal love, then one person's blessing is not a threat to yours. And so you can say thank you for their blessings, even when you look at yours and say, I didn't I didn't get mine. But I can't say thank you to their blessings when they're taking mine. I'm not blessed because of historical, recently historical and current setups of the culture that don't allow for me to be blessed like that. Right, but you want to that, and you want to you want to flip over that system, right? Absolutely, right, and that because that system is based on exactly what you're talking about. Is that is a recip- a, a a dealing reciprocally with one another, right? So um, it's a system that says uh, I I'm going I can I I can um, you know the. Uh, you see this in sort of the the philosophical justifications of slavery where they say well look they don't have the education that i have i am in a position of more power than them and so i can take right because i have received this i can take that right i have more power i have more power i can take more power i have more education i can i i should be in charge i can i can oppress others um, because I've been lifted up, right? That's a, that's a recip- reciprocity uh, situation, right? They're not doing the, uh, they're not saying, oh, I've, I have received um, and it's a gift. I should give a gift. I should, you know, I've received as a gift from God. I should give mm. uh, what God has given to me, right? That, so to continue to insist upon reciprocity is to say, I just want the system um, to, to favor me to favor me so right? that I can take so that I could take when in fact, what we should want is for the whole system to be overturned for the whole system to be toppled. Right. And, and because it's an unjust system, right. And uh, we want justice to flow down like water. Right. And um, so not, uh, we want the injustice to face my direction, but how do you overturn a system? You refuse to enter into the reciprocity based on what they have done. And instead you say, what's God done for me? How can I do that for others? And that, that's your, that's, that's your, that's your message to black people. That's my that's message your, to black people. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Over, overturn the whole system. Why, that's what we try to do. We shall overcome. Have you yeah, seen some right, of the marches? Were you the, here in 2020? Did you see what we did? <laughs> I'm just saying. But they're, they're set, they're, it, it, they, they want so little. I mean, that's the, 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 Mm. the, the system, uh, it's such a, it's such a small ask of the Lord to say, can I just get my peace? Right. What you should want is for generations 
uh, upon generations to not exist in a system like this, right? You should want the the, the system itself to be overturned so that you know, when you're long forgotten, people are still blessed by a system that has been rebuilt upon a a gift giving love giving system. Jason, you're hitting at something that I don't think that the conservative Christians even like to talk about. And I think I want to hit this real quick and we, we got to go. Cause we're at two hours. <laughs> but what just happens? This is how our phone yeah, conversations go. So that's what yeah. we're doing. But you know, we want to protect the system because we know they're coming to destroy the system. Right. We know that there is a group of, and I'm not talking about black people. So just let me make it very clear. I'm talking about people who have a worldview antithetical to that of Christianity right. And want that are to putting pallets because of, that are that are putting pallets of bricks out for people to throw at Target. Yeah, they they want to topple the system so that they can recreate the system in the image of a false god. That's what they're after. Yeah, but there's a view from the other side that sees the system and says this system is Christian, right? And right. and like and this is this is as good as it can get, you know. And and so there's a, that's why when I talk about police reform, people are like we don't need police reform. I'm like you done lost your whole mind. Right. You done yeah. lost your whole. If you think this is what justice looks like, you are you don't know your Bible. Right. If you yeah. think if you think that this is what you know, our I'm so grateful for the current system that we have right now in America. It throughout history has been a, a massive beacon of light that has been a fruit of the gospel in so many ways, and yet right. this is not it. Right. Well, we've this we've is- had we've had the leeches of of Darwinism and Hegelianism, uh, yes, uh, attached to the system long enough to drain it right now and and then so so we've got a if you've got a system that's based so fundamentally on a darwinian understanding as christians we shouldn't we shouldn't trust it (laughs) well and i'm just saying we we can't act like we don't want this is where your your gospel has to meet the road we can't act like we don't want we don't want to this is there's reformation and then there's um, re- revolution. Mm-hmm. We want the system to bow the knee too, right, right, <laughs> right, and and it will bow the knee as the as the gospel continues to permeate the lives of the people who are loving their husbands yeah. and wives and children, church, all that stuff. But we're not praising the system as if it's arrived. Yeah. We are in the we are in this fight. If there's anything that we're having, we're in this race, in this fight, and we're seeing this other group trying to beat us to the punch to re- to create a revolution while we're trying to reform. And we want to say, right, ah, right. Ah, get yeah. back, because yeah. you ain't going to mess so, up yeah, you we, know, what God we is got, doing through history and time. We got we got reform to accomplish. Stop with your revolution. That's right? exactly we, right. But instead, yeah. we come off like, oh, no, we got this. It's so good. And it's like. Yeah. And, and I do think that there are Christians out there that are just trying to protect their own you know like in and they've they've gotten their own their own moved into the wrong category right and so they that um you know i've got a good i don't want to change anything but but i mean it was this this is the thing that's crazy is it was conservative christians that that taught me that the police or that the uh prison system was messed up right Mm. and so when um and so when you have, uh, so I, I'd heard, I'd heard about the messed up prison system for years and years um, from conservative Christians yeah. that 
couldn't get it onto the platform of the Republican Party to save their lives. Right. They're talking about it and they're saying, hey, we should look at this. And um, and I think that they they did uh, put their hope into a Republican Party platform rather than saying like, well, the uh, we can't get it on the platform. We should talk about it anyway. Like, well, we can't get it on the platform. We'll have to wait. That, yeah. You, so this, I just got to, I was just on with Jason Whitlock and we were talking about this. So we were talking about Ron DeSantis uh, and um, I really have to go. Uh, but I was saying, you know, everybody's mad at right now what's happening with education and, and even in the world, in America. And I was like, you know, you don't have to wait for your politicians to fix the problem. Right. You don't have to wait for Ron DeSantis to pass a bill with his Congress to fix the problem of having gay marches in schools in Florida. You don't have to wait for your politicians to fix the problem before the gospel can actually have a tangible work in the life in the community where you're at right now. You don't have to wait for them. Right. <laughs> that we don't have to wait for our civil magistrates to fix the prison system. Right. Right. We don't have to wait for that. And that's one of the things that it's like, you know, our that that Christian community, that that Christian um we were talking about cookies the other day. Um we we, we don't have to be ones that are acting in response to something. Yeah. We can be the yeah. ones that are they are acting in response to us. You know, how yeah. are Christians the ones dealing with education? Right. And, and uh, the, I mean, I think that is someplace where it's happening. Right. You've got now. Now. Um, yeah. N- you know, now you've got Christian schools leading the way um, in a way that they weren't before. And but we should be leading the way in all sorts of reforms. But we got to get our house in order for that to work. I mean, that's that that's table. the reality. We got to get that. <laughs> we got to get the the word and the sacrament um, be, being preached and practiced and and uh you know the and i think the 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 uh church discipline functioning the way it should and um and so that we become a community that's known for loving one another i Um, think we scare people when we start talking about that table though i really do i think that the last thing that some people want to want to do is like like, wait a second man i don't know if i can let these people who not just table but you know um Members, membership at churches, membership at churches. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, a there's a large group of our reform circles. Uh, I don't think it's so bad with Baptists who are not reformed, but I think it's more inside the reform, more of our uh, our staunchy areas and circles where it's like, I don't know if I can let these people who've been who serve in this different mode or different theological tradition than I do actually be members at my church or have communion. Yeah. At my table, uh, if they're going to be members of my, you know, I think there's this. We have to, we have to figure out how to mature to a place where we can hold all that together because of justification, right, right, right. because not in spite of it, right, right, <laughs> right because of where where our say where we believe that true sanctification flows out of justification. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, I got to run, man. All right, I appreciate you, dude. We'll holler. Yep.